Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louise, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in the world. I'm so excited about my guest today, Janet Tarantino. Janet has had three near-death experiences. Janet has also had profound spiritual experiences with God and the Holy Spirit. Divine intervention saved Janet from a major car accident. This accident was a catalyst to a more in-depth NDE where she discovered the answers to what is consciousness, what happens after we die, are God, Jesus and heaven and the angels real? While the in-depth of life-altering experience, God showed Janet moments of her life and told her these moments matter understand them. After years of silence, all the moments she was shown have now occurred. This is going to be so exciting. And she's ready to reveal what she saw and learned. This is her story. And this is her passion. Janet, I'm so excited and honored to have you on Passion Harvest. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me here, Louise. This, Louise, this is great. I'm so excited to tell everybody my story. I can't wait to hear it. So where would you like to start? I know you've had three years of experiences and Yes. The capacity of time in this interview, we can't. Right. I can't cover all of them, but I can give you an idea. And then the details are in in the book. So, yes. uh, Let's, uh, during this this major NDE, um, I was shown um, a lot of things. And uh, one of the things I was shown, instead of having had one NDE, I had three because I had discounted, as most of us do, spiritual experiences from the past because we don't have any context to put them in. I had never heard of a near-death experience before, um, so I just kind of shoved them aside because I didn't want to think that I was crazy or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So that's what I did. But let me ask. Let's start by at, uh, posing a few questions. So these are rhetorical because I'm going to answer them. Uh, what if I told you that the body really is inhabited by spirit energy? And what if I told you that our lessons are planned before we come to this world? And what if I told you that we have agreements to work with other spirits during our journey through life? And these are important contracts. And I'd like to shed some light on those fantastic questions. And you'll see as I uh, tell my story, um, the answer to these questions is an affirmative yes. Um, To address the planned lessons, I would like to mention that I foretold my three near-death experiences when I was pre-kindergarten age. I uh, had was listening to my mom on the phone. And when she got off, they were talking about adoption. So I thought maybe I was adopted. I said, was I adopted? And she said, no, silly, you're our little girl. So that satisfied that question. But then the next thing out of my mouth uh, was something I I remember because I didn't expect, I didn't know where it came from, but it said, and I said, okay, but I'm going to die young. 
And my mom was shocked and she just quit talking like that. And when I said that, I had three images go through my, my mind. It seemed like they were in the air, but it was going through, past me. And it was three different ages. That, and it was the three ages of my near-death experience, the, all three of them. So I have no doubt that uh, things are planned and uh, for a bigger picture and a bigger reason than just for us too. I also have no doubt that there's, our spirit knows what's going to occur, even if the physical body doesn't. And there's a couple of reasons of why I said, say this, because I, I, this catalog came out in uh, March of 1992, and I was attracted to it. This is the time, the Life magazine, and no longer exists, exists but I was drawn to this picture uh, and this article for some reason, and I have kept it ever since. But later that very summer is when I had my second near-death experience, and that's, uh, and then later I have uh, the third one. So I, I believe my spirit knows uh, knew that this this was coming. And that's why it was attracted to it. And also, while I was taking care of my parents during their final years of my dad's life uh, and my mom's life, uh, dad kept saying he wanted to go home. I want to go home, but he was in his home, and he wasn't like that all the time. But appeared, I think he was he was wanting. He knew he was going to be going to heaven pretty soon, and that was the home he was wanting to go to, because one time when we were sitting at the dining room table, he said that I want to go home. When are we going to go home? And I said, Dad, you are home. And I said, What does it look like? What does the what does the fireplace over here look like? He said it's kind of hard to explain. And I said, does it look like you're looking in from another dimension? And he said, yes, that's it. So I think his spirit was working its way out of his body during that time frame. And that's why a lot of times people um, are kind of confused and wanting to go home because they know they're going to be going home sometime. So now let's get on with the three near-death experience. And I call this the ultimate ambush, ambush makeover. Because my second NDE was when I started uh, to feel changed. And after my third NDE, I started introducing myself as my birth name because the person I was was no longer the person I, I had become. I had been changed. And so my third near-death experience shattered my view of life and consciousness. And it shook me to my very core. And the other two Indies, like I said, I tried to push aside, but the creator wouldn't have it with this one. Uh, he wanted me uh, and uh, others to understand. Uh, this particular summer, I've, it was a fall season actually. Uh, I had developed an allergy, which is common for near-death experiencers. They get allergies or sensitivities. This is the third NDE. This is the third, because okay. this, this will kind of, they kind of layer and it, this will show a lot of things. And, um, but I, the allergy, I didn't realize I had, I'd never had it before. And I thought it would go away as the seasons changed, but it, it didn't. So I would take an allergy pill in the, the house to get sleep at night. And on this particular night, I suffocated to, to death. And I, I had, called for my husband and I had reached for him, but he didn't respond. 
And then all of a sudden I was up at the ceiling looking down on myself and my husband beside me, but I was still in the same position that I had been in when I went to bed. So it was my spirit voice that had called for him. It was my spirit arm that had reached for him because that's why I couldn't feel him. And that's why he didn't respond because he couldn't hear me in the spirit form. And uh, I knew I was dead and I was surprised at how I looked. I, I, I know I thought, hmm, that's what I look like. And I wanted to see more of my physical body. And so just by that desire, I found myself down beside my face and I was looking at my facial features uh, from another perspective outside of my body. And I, I noticed that obviously I had gotten very small because the pores on the side of my nose looked large. And I kept, I thought, geez, you should put more makeup on there. <laughs> so I have always from that point on, always put extra makeup on my nose uh, to make sure that it, everything was covered. But while I floated there, in it, I was in darkness, but it was the middle of the night that made sense, but there wasn't any stars. And I believe I was inside the tunnel already, and that's why there was no stars. Anyway, I thought it, it seemed like it was a, a, in outer space. And it, it was like a hose that had gotten away from a astronaut. And I didn't know what that was. But later I find out that there's several ways that we can talk about the silver cord. Um, and I, they're they're, there's from several, several different ways, like the tether, the tether that the spiritual community refers to that secures the spiritual body to the physical body. It's also referred to in the Bible, like, yes, remember your creator now while you're young before the silver cord of life snaps and the spirit returns to God who gave it. I didn't know that was in there. I had never read the Bible. So when I saw that uh, afloat by, I also noticed a pin of light coming from my right off in the distance. Um, and it kind of reminded me, it was coming in a slight S-shaped curve, kind of like I don't know if you ever saw the Roadrunner cartoon. It was a little, I do. little okay. He uh, he would speed up the road and it would come in a slight S from the coyote, or, from the coyote, yeah, from yes, the coyote. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it was always, uh, and sometimes he would come up and stop right in front of the coyote. Uh, but while I was saw it approach, I wasn't concerned because I saw something going on down at my physical body, and that was more interesting to me. And I noticed that there was a blue form, the color of the sky on a beautiful day, lifting out of my feet, then my ankles and my shins and my uh, up to my thighs. And I watched it escape the body and I wanted to see it. So I was all of a sudden down at my waistline watching it float up. Then I was back up at the ceiling again and I could feel all that blue energy pulling up toward me because I was my consciousness and my spirit that had already left the upper part of my body. And I was watching my spirit leave the lower half of my body. Now it was all coming together into one form. And as it came together, I could feel my arms pulling in and my legs pulling up and I changed shape into the shape of an orb. And I was, I had, I was lit up too. And I was resting in a wand of love. And I believe they, that that was created that way because 
God was showing me that he had created me, you know, like the bubble blown from a wand that children uh, uh, blow bubbles from. Not that that was necessarily the way he created me, but that was, he was showing me that, that he had created me. And then this, uh, uh, the light, like the like it the the bird did whipped into the room and stopped in front of me and grew up into a beautiful light being that was infused with light uh, and had light coming out of its heart center and it was so bright it was it wasn't hard to look at but it was hard for me to see its facial features although it had hair uh, down to about here and it was brown. And, um, but I couldn't see its eyes and the distinction of all of its face. And it had its hands open wide like this in a, in a welcoming gesture. And I thought, cause my job was all analytics. I worked uh, for a large corporation and I was a network coordinator, analyzing the, the product costs and how to get it to the customer in the least, account, the least amount of miles and the least amount of cost. So everything was analytics. And so I analyzed this body and I thought, okay, I don't know any men with short, with long hair, so it's gotta be a woman, but it has a man's body. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't know who it was. And so I just called it the light beam. But later he comes back several times in uh, in my book. I I see him another time. He identifies himself, <clears throat> but I don't make that connection until I actually see him, his picture in a movie, and that's exactly who I saw. I don't know if you saw the Heaven Is for Real uh, movie about the four year old boy who had a near death experience. Well, and it's uh, um, a Kane Kramerics. Uh, painting that she painted at eight years old. That was the face I saw in this, in the, uh, an, another spiritual experience. So he was showing me uh, through these, through these other additional uh, spiritual experiences that who he was in this near death experience. So it was Jesus. And he uh, lifted his hand out to me, his right hand in a welcoming gesture, like come take my hand. And mm -hmm. I he said, "Time, it's time to come home, Jan. Well, my first thought in, was um, of my daughter, Gina, because I was concerned how she would react because we're very close. And he said, she'll be okay. I told her that, and of course she had a couple expletives to say about that, <laughs> but, and I don't think I, um, I, I didn't go on to the other ones as at that point. Uh, so I was going to go. But there was another pin of light that came from the distance off to the left. And that came in the same slight S-shaped curve. And then when it reached us, it grew up into a, a beautiful uh, living light um, next to Jesus. And it was, you could see the bubbles of clouds around it. Um, and it kind of looked like a tunnel, but the light coming out of it was uh, white but I could feel, I could feel the colors in there, the colors of the rainbow. And that was God in his energetic form who had come forward um, to take me home. Um, so Jesus had, uh, had his hand out to the, uh, the light and was welcoming me to, to enter. Um, but the light 
God wanted me to know some things. And so he reached out his he reached out his energetic arms and he embraced me in his arms and he showed me movies, many movies of moments in my life. And some of the moments had happened and some of them hadn't happened. Um, and he wanted me to understand these moments. He said, understand these moments, they matter. So our moments in our life do matter, at least most of them, because uh, there are lessons there that we're supposed to learn. So I wanted to learn, of course, and I wanted to understand them in heaven. And uh, he had other plans. So they were going to show me the the immediate future and the immediate future, the angels came and, and took my elbows. I had then transformed from the orb shape into a white translucent form of a physical body. And then the angels took my elbows and took me up into the air. And I was above the ranch and I could see in all directions. Uh, I could see inside the house as well as outside the house, the lay of the land all around. And I could um, see two pins of light coming down, coming up the road from the distance. They were so tiny, but yet, even though they were so tiny, it was a vehicle and I could feel myself as if I was in that vehicle. I could feel the bumps of the road as the vehicle drove over it. I could, uh, I could hear the tires crunch over the rocks because we lived in the country, just like my ear was right down next to that tire. And I could hear the lurch of the equipment in the vehicle as it turned up our drive because it was it ended up being an ambulance that was going to come to hopefully save me. Mm -hmm. But we lived out in the country. Um, there's not emergency vehicles quickly available. And what I was being shown that I would die. If, if I continued uh, to go to heaven. And I was okay with that. So, um, but anyway, what this shows, this shows that I had become one with all that is. We are one with all that is. And we can be in all places at all times because I knew uh, when I saw my spirit leave that body, I knew that that was my portion, my sliver of God's spirit. And our spirit, it, you know, since it's part of God, can do the same things. And that's why um, God lives with us, because he can see, he can see what we do. He can experience life with us because his spirit is inside of us. And they're all one, God, Jesus, and, and they're uh, the trifecta, I guess you could say. Um, in any case, uh, I was, then I was all of a sudden uh, down again in front of the light of God. And I was just on the precipice of going into that light. And, and I was shown one more thing. And what I was being shown was the image of my son, Kurt. And I knew that when I saw his picture, that he, something was going to happen to him in the future. And if I wasn't there, he was going to go down a pathway that wouldn't be so good for him. So that's when I knew I couldn't go. So I, I told Jesus, I can't go yet. Um, 
I'm not ready to go yet. And he nodded and he smiled. And I knew he smiled, even though I couldn't see his face. And then I turned back into the blue spirit body that was in the physical, that left the physical form. And I sat down in Jan's body. I slipped one foot into each one of her feet. I grabbed my spirit knees and I started rocking back and forth in spirit form like children do until I could lay back and help her sit up and grasp for air. But as I was having, as I was re-entering my body, this voice from heaven kept saying over and over again, love is the only thing that matters. Love is the only thing that matters. And that echoes in me thousands of times a day. So needless to say, Jan sat up uh, and gasped for air. And then I had to live my life wondering when the other shoe was going to drop for my southern son, Kurt. So this is experience has now made me very disconnected from my body because I know that our consciousness is the real us. And it holds that our, our memories and our thoughts, it's not the brain, the brain may function the body, but it's our spirit that holds the consciousness. And that is the, the real us. Now, Kurt was not only uh, the, not only the spirit I worked with, because I obviously had agreement with him to stay, and that's why um, uh, I had I had chose to stay. But I also had an agreement with my daughter Gina. She was in my first NDE that I had discounted, and I had thought of her as the music box lady because she came floating in on the most beautiful music you ever heard. And I didn't have any, cause I was 15 at the time and I didn't have anything to associate it with except for a music box in that time frame. And I also thought of her as daddy's little girl and she wasn't to be born, conceived or born till 15 years later. And I had drawn the picture of what I had saw. i had also saw my guide in that experience. Um, and he's a sumo wrestler and, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. but he was dressed in white as well in a white room in a white light. And they both appeared in two tunnels in my room. Um, that that's an, another experience, but, um, that shows that I had, cause I saw a picture of her many, many years later, after she was 30 some years old, there was a picture taken of her that was similar position as the lady that I had drawn the picture of. And when I saw that, I knew that was that what I had seen in my first near-death experience was my daughter. And she had come back to make sure I had gotten back in my physical form. She was talking to my guide because she wouldn't have been born in the future had I had I died. So I obviously had uh, got back in my body and they must have erased everything from my mind because then I would always be wondering what father, what's the right father for her. So since people don't know me and um, before, I, I was very shy, I'm still shy. Uh, and I never thought I would write a book or talk about this subject before a crowd. Um, however, when you hear the voice of source telling you and showing you that this is going to happen, you do it. Um, after this stuff 
kept happening and, and even more things that are so mind blowing. The source was showing me uh, that we have a tendency to set our own limitations and he doesn't have those same limitations for us because after I had a soul painting done and what she painted, she painted my near death experience and I, that blew me away. Uh, why was I being shown my near death experience again? So I went to bed and I prayed about it. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? Just tell me what you want me to do. If you don't answer tonight, I'll know it's just for me and I don't have to do anything. So I was, I was setting it up because I didn't want to have to do anything. Um, but the next morning I woke up and I heard his voice say, make it about me. And then he flashed in front of me movies again of me writing a book and me talking about it. So here I am. Great. Well, <laughs> thank you, for, you for questions, Louisa. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that experience. Uh -huh. You detailed beautifully the your third near-death experience. And what a remarkable experience. What did it feel like? Which part? The near-death experience. So you went oh, into the detail. What did it, and it's probably hard to describe, but what did it, it feel it's like? Absolutely magnificent. You, it is, I felt free. I first feeling I had when I escaped my body is this, I felt like a breath of fresh air, you know, like you had been compacted in something so tight. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can finally breathe. And I felt free. And I felt like I was floating in immense love, tranquility, and bliss. Uh, like you can't experience here in this world. Uh, you know, you can even express it as the love of your child. You look at your child and you say, oh, the, you know, so beautiful. I love them so much, but it's so much more than even that. But he is our dad, you know, to speak of. And so I'm, that's, he, he is the ultimate energy. And when, when I saw Jesus, I, as soon as I was out of my body, I started getting the download of information and I knew everything was as it's supposed to be. And that mm -hmm. I had been there before. When Jesus came, I knew he knew me. I knew he loved me. And I, I was in awe of him. But then when God came, everything just expanded. Everything was expanded even more, especially as he embraced me. And we had a mind-to-mind -mind connection. And he showed me uh, things. There was uh, all these moments. And, and he also showed me uh, one other event, was a world event that did come to be. I didn't know what it was at the time because he showed me a mass of uh, the the globe was here and he showed a mass of, of, of black going from here up to here. But it wasn't darkness. It was because they're known for that clothing. And it was the people from the, you know, from the war torn areas of uh, Iraq and Iran and those areas that were escaping to go to Europe. And I probably was shown that because I spend a lot of time in Europe and uh, I was, could see all this when they, when they came through, cause they came through in um, thousands, you know, when uh, uh, Merkel invited them to come uh, to Germany, they came 
landing on the shores and up through uh, Croatia and Italy and all, most of them went through Austria because that's a centrally located uh, country on their way to Germany or to these other areas. But it wasn't, it's, and he, I know he wanted to do this because he wants to even things out. He wants us to realize people are people, no matter who they are. And once, once we get intermingled more, then we will be more accepting of the other. You know, sure, there's going to be some negative forms that come in. We all have negative uh, uh, energies in, in our cultures. Uh, but for, for the most part, they're all loving people and they all want the same thing because we are all one in the yeah, universe yes and and you described the representation that jesus looked like to you what, what did god look like uh he looked have you ever seen the incredible hulk yes the okay. green man <laughs> that's the only thing i can think of yeah except um, he probably I, wasn't green <laughs> no it wasn't green but he was um he was massive like that. And he had on a skirt down to his knees, but I could only see him from the waist down because he wouldn't let me see his face. And uh, he had sandals on. Um, and that was interesting to know. I had said he was like a giant and in Heaven is for Real, uh, Colton Burpo says that uh, uh, God is is a giant of a man too. So that kind of uh, ties my story into his as well. And that's where I, of course, saw the picture of Jesus for the first time. So. And the moments that you talk about, I completely think that, you know, it's what we take with us. Um, so you saw past moments and future moments. Have all those future moments uh, occurred in your life as Janet? Yes, they have, because I think that was for this book. And that's why he wanted me to write this book, um, because all these moments pertain to all of us, um, that certain moments are planned in our life for a reason. It could be an interchange of information, uh, the near-death experiences where I was known that these people were going to be in my life, uh, or for a, a higher learning experience like like the judgment. And I also saw my brother's death. And uh, I didn't know what that was at the time. But what that was, was he was showing me that that was coming in the future, and it was going to happen in just the right time. Um, when I went to see him at the funeral home, I caressed his face uh, in a figure eight motion because I had never touched a dead body before. And of course, I, I gave peppered little kisses all over his face. And and said my goodbyes, but I knew he was around somewhere. And within the next uh, two and a half weeks, my other brother, he was a twin, had, and he and his family were leaving for home after the funeral. And again, in a dream vision, I was pulled up to heaven, the whiteness of heaven. And it, I was in this whiteness. And um, my brother, Doug, came floating through this door. And I said, Doug, and he, he, he floated up just by the intention of giving a hug, we could hug each other. And I felt him like he was in the physical form. And he rubbed my back in a figure eight. So he was letting me know that he was there that day and he had 
uh, he had known that I had rubbed his face in figure eight. I said, you were there. And this was all my tele telepathy. Everything yes. is telepathy. So I said, you were there. And he smiled. And then he started backing away. And as he backed away, I said, don't go, Doug, please don't go. But he did. He vanished. But that was his way of letting me know he was there and that he's happy because he was his his demeanor was much more uh, commanding than he was in in the physical world. So now he was free and he was in his his uh, best form. What a beautiful experience. And the moment or well, the one of the main reasons you came back was your son. Um, that he might may take a, a wrong path or trajectory. Is he OK now? He's, is he on he's the right okay. track? <laughs> he's OK. I was there. And it's funny how um, he said, I don't see any, he, I asked him about something. He said, I just don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Well, that's mm -hmm. a common term, yeah. but I saw him just as I was before that tunnel. And I said to him, well, you won't get it done until you start and you've got to start somewhere and then you'll get there. When I said that he was looking into his bedroom and I could see a light go on over his head. And that sentence connected to him. And he obviously thought, you know, yeah, she's right. I'm going to have to start doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And he did. From that moment on, he did everything that he was supposed to do. And now he's a great supervisor at a, a company with the, a beautiful daughter and a happy life. So that's great. Um, it was one that's the power of our words because we can lift people up and and encourage them to be the best they can be or we can say you know your negative things and that kind of makes them shrivel you know they you want to always lift with positivity and love because that's what life is about love is the only thing that matters so yes absolutely agree and you also speak about when during your near-death experience how you remembered that we're all connected and you were you were going home in some capacity why, why do you think we forget or why do you think we, when we come into our physical incarnation, we feel so separate from source or God or Jesus? I think it's the physical body. I think the physical body is the thing that separates us. And once, uh, um, you know, everything is settled in because um, young kids will remember things until they start to grow. And I, um, they're aware because I, I have... Jesus' picture on my wall, the one that I saw. And my four-year-old granddaughter was on the floor and she was looking at it. It was, you could see in her eyes because she was just sitting there looking at it. And everybody saw her because she was, we were in a group. And then she, her head came up and she said, God is dead. I, I looked at my son and I like, Please tell her kind of thing. <laughs> and he said, I didn't say anything. I've never said anything like that. And then all of a sudden she stands up and she starts running around in circles. She's, no, he's alive. He's alive. <laughs> she started running around in circles. So I think she remembered him and had it hadn't totally come down yet um, to to uh, cover us. I, I, I just, I think it is for lessons because if we remembered what we were here for, we wouldn't have learned the lessons that we were supposed to learn. And he learns by it too. He experiences every situation uh, along with us. And um, yeah. I think it's all learning. And, and, and from your experience or just in your personal views, 
why are we here? What, what, is there an end goal when we reach some sort of point that we no longer need to return to the physical body or to earth? No, I think it's continuous. I mm -hmm. think it's uh, continuous. Before my mom passed away, uh, she was Lutheran, never considered any of you know uh, the things that I, I tell you. But uh, she sat up in her recliner and she said, I finally get it because her eyes were kind of glassy and she and she said, I finally get it. And I said, what do you mean? And she says, we're eternal beings because we go in and out and in and out. And I said, you mean reincarnation? And she said, yes. Yeah. And I said, yes, you're right. But while she, before she said this, uh, she was, uh, we would always help her to recline her so she could watch television. And one day she, I came in, I was walking down the hallway and I just came in and she was going like this and she's going, and I said, what's, what's going on? She said, they're showing me naked bodies of men. And then she said, she's, now they're showing me naked bodies of women. Oh. So I think she was picking out her next body. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I said, do you know what you're going to be next time? She says, no, I don't. She don't remember what it's going to be. So there's no doubt in your mind that consciousness lives beyond the physical body. Absolutely. And for those that are afraid of death, what would you say to them? That we are eternal beings. Um, uh, it's, it's not what happens. It's more difficult what happens in life than it is. It's, it's natural. It's freeing once once you leave your physical body and you'll be together with all of your loved ones because mom was looking up into heaven as, uh, as her final days were there and she was laying in her hospital. She said, I see heaven. And I said, you do? And she said, yes. And she explained it to me. And she, I, she said, there's a gathering going on. And I said, a gathering? I said, they must be going to have a party. And she said, yes. And the next day she looked up, I said, is the gathering getting bigger? She said, yes, it is. So we're going to be welcomed home uh, by all of our loved ones from this lifetime and from past lifetimes. It's going to be a party. And a lot of times people, when they're nearing their death, they will want to go on a trip. My dad always wanted to go on a trip back home and, um, uh, uh, some people want to find their dress for the party. Uh, dad wanted a map, you know, because we weren't taking him to the home that he wanted to go. He said, just draw me a map. I'll get there myself. I said, well, I can't draw you a map because where you want to go is to heaven. So they talk about, uh, uh, they talk about traveling before they get there. And there, there is a party when we get there and it's going to be absolutely fabulous. And you're going to be surrounded in love, tranquility and bliss that you can't have here on this world. It's going to be magnificent. Beautiful. And um, I just thought many people experience suffering when they've lost a loved one and want to, would like to communicate with them. What do you have some simple tips you can offer how they can potentially connect with someone who's passed? Watch, watch and be open because after my brother died, um, my sister went home to get some rest. It was only like a day or two after the death. And she, she called us immediately when she got home because she wanted to express her, her grief by drawing a picture of my brother Doug. So she went to her computer and opened the uh, normal folder where there would be a, a, a display of all of the pictures she had of him. 
And when she opened that folder, a poem come up and the poem was um, uh, that he, he was not uh, far away. It was the same poem that was in uh, Heaven is, I mean, the uh, Proof of Heaven. Can't remember the name of it right now. But anyway, she got that poem and she read it to us. And then we read it to my mom and dad. And she said, I know that's Doug. And so I said, I'm sure it is. Well, then my sister-in-law, when she left home, she started reading the book she had started before she had left. And what was she reading? Proof of Heaven that has that poem in the back of it. She said, you won't believe this. I got, I got the same poem in this book I was reading. She said, I think this was all arranged by Doug. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. And though, then my, a couple of days later, my daughter calls and she said, I think I got a message from heaven. And I said, what is it? And I said, is it a poem? And I gave her the name. How did you know? I said, because Diane got it and, and Judy and Dennis got it. We were the three siblings were left behind and each one of us got it in a different way. And then we each shared it with my mom. So watch for those things. Music is a good one because it will bring your memory back to that person. Um, your thoughts. Uh, also after, after mom and dad passed, we were out on the patio um, and all kinds of feathers started floating down. From nowhere there was no bird in the sky no trees and all these feathers started coming down so we collect them because the hundreds of them i don't i have no idea uh, i mean it had to be had to be miraculous because there was so many of them and there was no dead bird around um and just just trust what you're thinking because that's how they they'll say i love you it's not going to be a big conversation you know you know this happened and this happened uh they're gonna they're gonna let you know and if they move things moving things is a good way for them to do it and uh pennies there's all kinds of different ways that they right. can and this is probably the same way that we can connect with our spirit guides or angels or exactly. god and jesus yeah and actually they all sound the same um Eventually, when you get used to listening to them, then you might hear the, the distinctive voice of, of a loved one. They may start taking on that characteristic. But yes, they're always around. Always. That's wonderful. Well, Janet Tarantino, is there anything I've missed that you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience on a final note? Just express yourself in love all the time. Weigh everything that you say and, and ask yourself, is this the way? that I want to express my love because love is the only thing that matters. And that's, we're here to share that. And light does break darkness. Beautiful. What a beautiful ending to the show, Janet. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Thank you for having me. I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I love talking about my near-death experience. So. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. <laughs> That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.